Welcome to Buffy Boyfriends. Uh, we're boyfriends watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Really, really nailed that intro this time. <laughs> <laughs> Things are going great. Uh, I'm your Slayer super fan, Sam. I'm your Slayer virgin, Mike. Uh, indeed. Oh, Mike. Welcome back. Thanks. What a joy. How are you doing? Ooh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we're really... Um, you know, we're making it through. We're here. Uh, you know, we're having an okay time ultimately. Yeah. Right now, the I'm gonna make uh, an analogy between two different creative. I guess analogy might be the wrong uh, phrase or like a concept, but I'm gonna make a connection between two creative pursuits that I am pursuing right now. You know, podcasting can sometimes be like doing your morning pages. Sometimes mm -hmm. you really don't want to do them. You're not in the right headspace, but... ...approaching the podcast right now. <laughs> um, I know I'm going to have a great time, but getting to this place... <laughs> um, you know, I had to walk from my apartment to yours. Hey, and just... <laughs> Clear if I've ever cast under dress. No, uh, this <laughs> is his, his own conscious decision. This was a, a real decision that I made, and I know that it's gonna be good, it's gonna be fun. It was a great episode of Buffy. Um, yeah, I agree, but at the same time, how great would it have been if our internet was just too slow and we couldn't do podcasts tonight? Hey, that was your wish, <laughs> <laughs> putting it out. Uh, what, what did we do since the last recording we did? Yeah, well. When did we? Yeah, because oh. we're doing two recordings in one week, Whoa. so it, the timeline really gets yeah. messed up. It was a long um, weekend. Uh, you know, I feel I do feel like I haven't really done much since then. Yeah, we we went out to dinner last night. We got really? some great Mexican food, um, and we got a dessert cheese plate, oh my gosh, um, yeah. which is which is unique. Um, so shout out to my friend Ariella for having the idea to get a dessert cheese plate. Yeah, second location with the dessert cheese plate. Cheese plate. Yeah. Um, you ran like seventeen miles. It was only sixteen miles. Okay, but I you did ran. Do that. You ran sixteen miles since we last recorded, I believe. Um, how do you feel about that? Good, but it did make. I mean, I I did finish it, and it was fine. But there were complications on the run for various reasons. I'm fixing it. It's gonna be okay. Great. And your dad is still going down. For for listeners of the pod, this is a new entry to the narrative. Uh, Mike's dad and I are gonna compete in the same marathon, and I'm ratcheting up competition in myself for the first time in my life. I feel a joy expressing a competitive edge, and feel like. I'm going to take his ass down. He's, you know, the first competition he's, you know, willingly choosing is with um, a retired man. Um, Who has run 10 marathons in his life. Yeah, and I'm really excited to see what happens here. Same. Uh, do, is there any <laughs> other life updates that we can think of? Uh, I don't think so. I, th I feel like, yeah, we've had a pretty low-key week overall. Um, so true. You know, the... The long weekends are great, but they they make the work week uh, very hellish. You would think that the four day work week would be like, oh my god, it's only four days, but you're like, why is everyone acting so crazy? I know that, <laughs> that, that really gives me pause um, in my lobbying effort for the four day work week um, mm. to become standardized. Because I'm like, if this is what the status quo is going to be, 
I don't want that. Um, I'll work six days a week to prevent this. I just saw, you know, I didn't actually read the report that this I read this from, but I saw a tweet that was summarizing a report <laughs> that said that a four-day work week was really good and that lots of companies really enjoyed having it and that everyone was healthier and happier because of it. So, okay. Well, they should just take a look at the two of us. <laughs> as, as an alternate case study. Yeah. But, you know, we're not here to talk about our work week. No, we're here to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, season 2, Episode 6, Halloween. Wow. The first Halloween episode. First of who knows how many. But, but not the first costume episode. No, we, you know, there was a race, racial parade a couple <laughs> of weeks ago um, in celebration of the Incan mummy girl. Uh, anyway, <laughs> this episode was written by Carl Ellsworth, uh, his first TV series writing credit and his only credit on Buffy. Uh, he did later write three episodes of Animorphs, so you know he's a king in my eyes. But looking into him on IMDb did introduce me to a show called Cleopatra 2525, which he wrote four episodes of which from my loose scanning of the IMDb seems to be a show where Gina Torres played a um, stripper, a uh, sex dancer, uh, and she got like carbo frozen and then ended up in the year 2525 where there's like cybernetic ladies who are trying to take down an evil emperor or something. I don't know. Uh, it seemed like a good idea at the time uh, when I was reading it and I didn't really read too much into it. But then after he did his TV work, he went on to write screenplay, Disturbia, Last House on the Left, Red Dawn. He must be, oh no, does that mean our recording is still oh, going? I don't know. Our guest told us that we were frozen. Who knows how long we had been frozen for when we, I don't, I don't know. Well, if they missed out on some of these gems. We had some uh, excellent banter in the past, uh, ex in the couple exchanges just now. So yeah. I hope that everything ended up in the recording. The lost tapes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it would basically, there would be almost no issue for me uh, just to be recording my own audio at the same time, but I do not do that. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, he's been, he did Teacher's Pet, The Pack, Nightmares, and he also did Some Assembly Required, the Frankenstein episode, uh, and now he's here talking Halloween with us, uh, and then finally, we got Robin Sachs, he plays Ethan Rain uh, in this episode. He uh, is best known for being Ceres in Galaxy Quest, which when I Googled it, it looked like it was the uh, villain in that film. Wow. He's uh, typecast. Yes. But he also does a lot of, he does a lot of voice work, it seems like, to me. Uh, lots of Mass Effect franchise. He plays the character of Zaid Masani in the Mass Effect universe. Don't know who that is, um, but... I, you know, those are his primary credits. He was in The Lost World Jurassic Park. Whoa. Did you see that? Yeah, that one is really good up until they leave the dinosaur island. Mm -hmm. um, and then... Like what I just said. Our guests seems to have a lot of things they want to say. So why don't we bring them in? They are a second time guest of Buffy Boyfriends. They have been my friends in the second grade. Uh, they are the one who introduced me to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's Ray Hamilton Vargo. Hello, 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 hello. Um, my God, I'm so sorry. This whole podcast is in some ways my fault. And you're welcome. Don't um, say it every way. You, I mean, without <laughs> you, the timelines completely diverge from me and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. 
So crazy. So crazy. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I'm so excited to be back. Um, sorry, my face was so loud. I just couldn't believe they would leave the Dinosaur Island on the Dinosaur Island movie about dinosaurs on an island. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, have you not seen it either? I saw all or almost all of the Chris Pratt dinosaur Ooh. movies. And I got to tell you, here's what I can tell you about them. Chris Pratt's in them. Dinosaurs are in them. That's what I got. There's a bunch of times where Chris Pratt goes, true, uh, holding his girl. hand up. Okay, the Chris Pratt movies are really bad, but this one, like The Lost World, it's good. It's a sequel. You got Jeff Goldblum in a much more uh, primary role. Julianne Moore shows up for some dinosaur hanging out. And then all of the evil people take the dinosaurs and tranquilize them and bring them to San Diego. And they run <laughs> rampaging <laughs> through San Diego. Okay. Um, I'm pulling up a picture of Ethan Rain's actor in Oh wow, he dies in the very first scene <laughs> off camera. Okay. <laughs> wow. Oh wait, no, wow, he reference. finds his daughter's body off camera. I think he lives. Okay. It seems like he may have become black between <laughs> franchises. Uh and there's seems there's an animated Jurassic Park something where they're pulling up a an, an african family african-american family uh who knows well, and there's huh. he looks good as a lego character though <laughs> good for him good for him oh wow um anyway wow excited to Ray, be here excited to how have you about been? This episode. what's going on what's going on the buzzword is change the buzzword is transformation i'm feeling very in a chrysalis stage in many aspects of my life like what is my job what am i working on where do i live you know like sort of between two things in which i am currently not doing either of those things so yeah, really feeling the chrysalis side, really feeling like whatever weird, ugly skull meat is between the two sides of the Janus face statue. That's that's where I am. Would love for the spell to be complete and for me to get to the other side, but it's, it's part of the journey, baby. I'm, you know, I'm glad to hear that you're on the journey and not despairing the journey at least. Oh yeah, as my old acting teacher used to tell me, it's the struggle that's interesting. Wow. And you know, in some ways, that's what this whole show is about. Maybe. Hey, my own. That's a thesis. <laughs> Buffy the Vampire. Period. The struggle is interesting. Yeah, I'm sure a 22 yeah. year old has written that. Um, Ray, awesome. this was one of the first. This, I mean, I want you. When I asked you if you want to do a season two episode, you instantly to talk about this one. What brought us to Halloween? Um, so I will say the first thing that brought me here was uh, wanting to be, uh, if, if it's possible, to apply for the role of your Giles correspondent. Mm. Um, uh, I definitely remember this being a more Giles heavy, <laughs> <laughs> a more Giles heavy episode than it is. Um, and 
but there there are some implications. There are some reveals. Um, there are some characters, and uh, I also just remembered it like introducing this concept of like, oh, you know, Halloween, real monsters like don't get into Halloween, whatever. It's too capitalist or it's boring. Um, but of course, it's the Buffy the Vampire Slayer Halloween episode. Something supernatural is going to happen. So I just remembered that uh, this little friend from Giles's past showed up and that uh, there was going to be some fun hijinks. And there is that and honestly, so much more. True. At the end of the episode, Mike predicted that we would never see Ethan Rain ever again. Yeah, I, it, he doesn't seem long for the Buffy the Vampire Slayer world. Um, I don't know, he was just like not really popping off the screen to me. He seemed to fill a very similar archetype to Giles. Um, and if they're going to introduce someone to interact with Giles, you can't just have like a Giles. Another 40-year-old another British man. Yeah. But now, you know, I'm gonna have to pay attention to the to the guest host sort of meta game now because mm. now if I if I see Ray's name pop up on the schedule, I'm gonna have to be like, ooh, this could be a Giles episode coming up if Ray is gonna be our Giles correspondent. True, although as Ray said, <laughs> they thought there was all more Giles in this there ended up being. Yeah. yeah. And he is in he's in all the episodes. He's in all of them so far. Sometimes on Buffy, they do a good job of like inter inter uh, introducing these characters who are only there for a couple scenes, but still giving them like a very obvious personality. Like I'm still thinking about that computer obsessed kid from the Moloch episode. And he had like four and a half lines. And um, two of those were I'm jacked in. <laughs> yeah, I'm jacked in, I'm jacked in, party. Uh, You'll die. <laughs> oh, if you're not checked in, you're not alive. I think those are actually all of his lines. <laughs> but um, yeah, I remember all of his lines. Uh, very iconic character. This guy, you know, he casts a spell. He knows Giles. He calls Giles a nickname, but like the personality is not jumping off the screen. Like, tell me about him. He's old. He's British. Okay. Okay. Uh, and you know, I just watched it yesterday. I don't. I'm not clear on why he did what he did. <laughs> like, why did he cast the spell? He was uh, trying to like ascend to evilness. I don't know. He said like his little spell that you saw him doing when yeah. you're like, "Ooh, he's the bad guy." He said something about like, "I'm going to the next plane, your master." Mm -hmm. Like, I'm gonna be like in. Uh, evilness. Sure. And there, then at the end, he's just like, smash the statue and it'll be fine. <laughs> it's, there's so much to say about that scene, about, yeah, his motivations just seem to be like, I think that this would be a chaotic thing to do, which I feel like there's a way to have a character who is that chaotic for almost no reason that's very fun. And this was not the most fun direction they could have taken it in, but the results, the results, I believe, were fun. God damn it, you're frozen again. <laughs> oh, okay, hey. Well, yeah, <laughs> I don't really know if 
feel like it's we i mean we'll let's keep trying again but i do feel like it's probably gonna cut out again and so if it does happen maybe we could try to find a different day i guess but we'll see what happens sorry no let's keep going yeah. we're we're, yeah. we're still bantering we're yes. not we're not getting into the meat of the episode yet this Oh, so true. Um, what was I gonna say? Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. I feel that if you're gonna have like a chaotic character, it can't be in the body of like a random dude. Like, it, and he can't be like delivering his lines. Like, it needed to be completely different. But like, if he was, I just if it, we need. <laughs> I'm excited about the Giles backstory, but I wish we got it earlier and we got more of it and it got more fleshed out. But always, we we know that Giles. Like, what do you think of Giles? Is what what did you what did you learn about Giles in this episode? I learned that he has something called the Watcher Diaries, mm -hmm. um, where they were, which I know they've used in the past. Or I know like when there is like an Angel episode, they like use Giles's old notebooks to find out history about Angel. But I don't know that they've ever described it as like, oh, these are like the diaries passed between Watchers or like down the line of Watchers. So that was interesting, sort of builds out more of the mythology. Um, I learned that him and Jenny have not had sex yet. Um, it sounds like they haven't even gone on another date. Um, they went to the football game and that was it. And then we actually haven't seen busy cross-referencing. Um, and I learned that he's got some sort of history with this guy, Ethan, but it is, it, I, I left like kind of unclear about how they're connected. Like, was this guy, is he a bad watcher? Was he like kicked out of the watcher order for doing magic with this Janus statue? Um, I don't know. I don't know much about Giles. I, I know a little bit more about Giles, but not much. Mm -hmm. Perhaps more questions were asked than answered in this one. <laughs> True. They're planting seeds for us to learn to sap so down the line. Yeah. So oh, I also learned that he is uncomfortable with women's bodies because he had like a very weird reaction to Willow's costume when they were like hanging out in the library. Mm, what did he say? He was just like like something on his face. He's like, ugh, like. What are you wearing? He's like, like what are you wearing? This is too much thin. And she had to be like, you should see Cordelia. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Willow is showing more skin than Cordelia was. She's, Cordelia was just in a cat suit. Yeah, but I don't think Giles should be commenting on either of their bodies. I agree. Uh, I will I, say, I don't know what the costume was supposed to be that Willow be had hot. on originally. <laughs> She's a ghost, <laughs> duh. She's hot. Okay, she's got abs now. <laughs> Severely, her and Very Nicholas bad. Brennan were training over the summer <laughs> in the gym every day, ready to mm -hmm. just in case they ever needed to do a shirtless scene, and they both instantly did. <laughs> so good for them. Yeah, uh, I this I I don't know the chronology. But this spell is the exact same spell that is used in Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge. Uh, they turn uh, the creatures into mortals, and then they turn the mortals into creatures, and all the all the people who are dressed up in Halloween costumes turn into the monsters they're dressed up as. Wow. Was it the exact Halloween same Town words, too? Sadly not. Mm, okay, so they lifted oh. from Season 2, Episode 6, Halloween. Or it's a pretty, if you're like, <laughs> we want to do something spooky with Halloween, you turn into your costume as a pretty, pretty, pretty short leap. 
True. Steps, maybe. Uh, yeah, this is pretty uh, first thought for a Halloween idea. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's Ethan's first thought. He didn't even think of a reason why <laughs> to yeah. do it. He just said, sure. Just like a lot of our characters' Halloween costumes. They had a lot of first thoughts and didn't, didn't yeah. go further than that. Buffy was the one who really thought things through and like had a reason for the season, really. Yeah, but I'm gonna, maybe this is controversial. I did not care for Buffy's like Halloween costume at all. I thought, like I see what she was trying to do there, but like it didn't work. I did not like the black wig. Um, the wig is very like, bad. Or a girl who's like, she's telling willow like you need to like take chances you need to be like be more aggressive and like taking feel, a chance with the wig feel yourself um she's just wearing this like big old victorian dress because she wants to ensnare angel or whatever for our listeners who may not watch the episode, this is all Mike referenced earlier. Earlier, the Watcher Diaries. Willow and Buffy stole like notes somebody had written about Angel, or like the days gone by, uh, and they read about noble women. And they saw a very bad sketch of a quote-unquote beautiful woman. Uh, and Buffy was like, "That's the kind of girl Angel must like," and so she wanted to dress up like a lady for Halloween. And like this picture, it's like very smudgy. You can't really tell what this woman looks like. But Buffy and Willow are like, she's they're gorgeous. they're going deep deep on this. They like if this was an Instagram, they're like clicking on this girl's profile and they're like doing a deep dive of all of her posts. Like she looks so Scrolled skinny, she's back. so beautiful. And I didn't see it, and we were we were watching on like a pretty big TV. All she does is go to social events. Uh, what is what, that's what they said. They were, her life of luxury back then. Yeah. Um, the costume choices in this episode were obviously vital because all of the costumes that people bought from Ethan's shop. Turned from like an army surplus store so he turned into a gun <laughs> in, in, I, in human form i wonder if that's part of why like he didn't seem at all like a different character and just seemed like nicholas brendan smiling slightly less yeah he just took on the aspects of a gun and you know what he sucked this episode. Xander's plotline, if we can even begin to call it that, <laughs> really, they they did not. They they tried and they failed. I would say. And you know did what? They try. We, <laughs> we gave him so much grace last episode, where we were like, we don't really know that there's much to slander him about, and Bruce Seth Green or Carl Ellsworth heard us. <laughs> went back in time and rewrote this episode to be like, we're going to make sure the Buffy boyfriends have something to talk about next week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was... I. Uh, it's just like, it's all. he almost got beat up by a bully and then Buffy saved him. And then at the end of the episode, he uses his army strength to beat the bully up as a pirate and that's somehow resolving the plot line. Like, it was not. There's nothing here. What? Yeah, no, there's a lot happening. Um, I'll tell you, the actor playing the bully really committed a lot more to his costumed character 
uh, he seemed like a totally different guy. I did not. I mean, I only he was realized. Pirate, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah. I didn't realize until I like put it together in my mind. I was like, oh, I mean, for the sake of the episode, this must be Larry. But I didn't even realize until my I decided it must be the case. <laughs> he knew yeah, this was his one shot. He did like a whole like different voice. Yeah, like I thought he was a vampire because he had like strange, he looked so weird. Yeah, I don't know. They decided we're not going to do any kind of like major makeup transformation for any of our main characters. But this guy's going to be on screen for eight to ten seconds. So we better make it count. (laughs) Yeah, I do think that a very positive aspect of this episode was how many different villainous forces there were like there was larry obviously just like human evil but then there was ethan and spike and drusilla and all of the people who had turned into demons and creatures and stuff felt like there was a lot of bad things happening all at once which made me which was fun yes you you get a sense it feels very like it feels very realistic to have like not just one thing going wrong in your life at a time (laughs) It's like there's the main thing that's frustrating for me right now overall, and then there's the other thing that's just bad for me today. It's like, oh yeah, that's relatable. There's just a lot of uh, little little gremlins out there. And Snyder was in this episode too, so really coming at him from all angles. Oof, oof, absolutely. And Oz Oz was there as well. I mean, you really get. What are your thoughts on Oz so far, Mike? You've seen him in two episodes. Kind of doing the same stuff in both. Yep. He's got a crush on Willow no matter what she's wearing, is what we've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really attack that, Mike. He's got a crush on Willow um, no matter what <laughs> costume she's wearing. Um, and that's about all we've got here. Yeah. He seems, I mean, of the main characters, he knows Cordelia the most. He talks to her all oh, the time. Oh, right. Yeah. There was that scene where Cordy was like, Where's your front man singer? Why yeah. isn't he calling me back? Don't ever tell him that we talked i know she's like because this is the second episode where we've seen that she's been with this band leader guy or like they're like on and on again off gun at least but last episode she was like flirting it up with all the college boys so i guess they're not too locked down who knows i don't know i you know i see i i'm scared to say it out loud um because i don't want to speak it into being but I have uh, an inkling about what the writers are doing here with Cordelia's love life, um, and I don't like it. What are you implying? I feel like they are pushing her and Xander together because they are in the main cast, and that's they want the main cast to date, and I hate it. I'm really, really unhappy about this development. Yeah, it, there were some... Little there, things in this episode. There was banter. There was commiserating. Um, as we've talked about on every episode of season two, Xander got really hot in between seasons. Um, and Tragic. Cordelia doesn't seem to strike me as... Like, it seems like she... Yeah, she's going for it. She She's into hot guys. And... <laughs> we are on the lookout for hot guys. <laughs> yeah. So uh. I, I don't like this. I hope if it happens... They date for like one episode. It goes very disastrously, and we never speak of it again. They're like, we're not meant to be. And I'd yeah. say, I could have told you that. I know. It does seem like they're really only, so far, they're relating over ni- neither Buffy nor Angel wants to be with them. 
That doesn't seem like a very Man. firm basis for a relationship. No. And we know that Xander sucks, so. started dating for that kind of reason like a decade ago that are still dating. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. They don't listen and I love them and they know that I love them and they don't listen. And um, also, <laughs> it is, <laughs> maybe they could. Hi, shout out to you guys. Um, <laughs> uh, but also, it is also like, this episode is, I think, the first time that Cordelia and Xander have exchanged more than two sentences with each other without directly insulting each other. Um, but I do think that Cordelia's had, well, I should I should get a spreadsheet or something. I think Cordelia has had more, more positive interactions with Willow and Buffy, who are also members of the main cast. But I'd, ha I'd have to do the math. I'd have to crunch the numbers. Yeah, I, I mean, they really put a lot of effort into Cordelia being a part of the group in this episode, which I really loved. Like, just little things. Like, when Cordelia showed up at Buffy's house and, like, after the spell had happened, Willow was the only one who knew what was going on. So she was like, Cordelia, you're Cordelia, you're not a cat. You're, like, our friend, kind of. They were, they were like, bringing her in, which I really liked. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, They, I feel like they did a really good job both of these past two episodes of like, let's get all the characters together. They're all in the show. Um, and You would think uh, that that would be just like the, what they do every episode. <laughs> you know, it's the journey, the journey is, is so important. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting uh, having this dichotomy between characters who know what's going on, characters who don't, know what's going on characters who have different levels of knowing what's going on because cordelia knows most things but she we confirmed this episode she does not know that angel is a vampire and buffy and willow try to tell her and she's like yeah right um which is like a care bear with fangs incredible and even after buffy has lost her memory and is like i saw it he's a vampire cordelia is like Ugh, she has this thing where never mind <laughs> which is so incredible of her um it's it's a really strong cordy episode they give her a lot of really challenging lingo also like there are a lot of just words you have not heard people use in casual conversation <laughs> like at one point buffy's like oh something like men are strong and women are weak and Cordelia's like, what's that riff? Who says that? <laughs> Nobody. I remember after watching this episode in high school, there was a period of time where I said, Fabu, because in this episode, Cordelia says, Fabu, more clinging. Like, <laughs> just so many, just words. They just put some words in there, and charisma delivered every time. And speaking of clinging, and speaking of Buffy and Cordelia's relationship, as I'm always on watch, we, Damn. you know, Cordelia, Cordelia dressed as a cat is the one that Buffy chose to cling to over a soldier Xander, over, I mean, she she knew Angel was a demon at this point, but I mean, really, she chose to get, cower in fear behind Cordelia over any of these strong men we keep hearing about. When her choices were between Angel and Xander, she tried to go back to Xander and was like, I like the man with the musket. And when her choices were between Xander and Cordelia, she didn't even say anything. She was like, I like this girl. That one. Yeah. Subliminal yeah. messaging. Uh, Buffy's in love with Cordelia. 
Cordelia is in love with Buffy. And if this show took place in 2023, I think we know who they'd be pushing Cordelia into a relationship with. Could Here be Willow. Is. Could be Buffy. Uh, a trio. Uh, a thruple. Uh, speaking of Willow, <laughs> as I did just bring her up, uh, last episode you were very interested in seeing a Willow-centric episode. Did this episode deliver on your desires? Me? Yeah. Oh, I, you were looking at Ray, mm -hmm. but also... They, yes, it did. I loved Willow in this episode. She was giving everything. I love that she had... You have, like, sort of a, a, a mini arc that's contained in the episode, but also reflects her entire character development of sort of being the wallflower learning to show more of her personality and be more uh confident uh in, in all aspects of her life um but yeah i i was very happy with the willow episode um i and maybe this i don't know if either of you caught this but once they the curse happens and uh buffy and xander are sort of lost their minds and not really able to do anything. I love that Willow sort of took charge and was leading the group. I thought her voice changed a little bit. Like she spoke with a different tone of voice that wasn't like as sort of nasally or meek, it, like the normal Willow voice. And she was just maybe using the Allison Hannigan voice. Um, I don't know, that that's something I noticed. Um, loved Willow and I hope the the lesson she learned or, or learned about herself during this episode carry forward. Um, I hope we start seeing new outfits on Willow. Um, she looked great. I agree. She did look great. And yeah, I think that she probably like recognized that she needed to take charge since neither of the people who she would normally talk to about these things knew what was going on. Um, yeah, I feel like especially, I mean, I'm connecting it back to the, like that's where all the, all of this has started. But there's that really good scene where Buffy and Willow are talking at the bronze, and Buffy asks if Willow wants to know her philosophy, and Buffy tells her, "Seize the moment because tomorrow you might be dead." And I feel like in this episode that became real for Willow because she like literally just randomly out of nowhere died of like a heart attack because she was wearing a costume. She could die at any time, uh, and she literally did die. And so you know what? Now that she's back alive at the end of the episode, she throws away the ghost costume and it's just like, look, I'm 16. I'm going to live my life. And I'm ready to live say, it. I remembered that she was a ghost in this episode. I forgot that she experiences death. Yeah. <laughs> like, Undersung part of this episode. Willow recognizes that she died. About it. <laughs> she experiences death. She goes, okay. Um... <laughs> Uh, although who knows, maybe we'll have some uh, some some episodes later, like we did with Buffy after she died at the end of season one. Maybe we'll have some episodes later where Willow's like, actually, it was very traumatic to die. Yeah. Um, when Willow was life. bad. When <laughs> Anytime yeah. a character dies, it comes back to life. We need a <laughs> when blank was bad episode. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, incredible. Um, but yeah, I love uh, Willow's dynamic in this. It feels very, because the one right before this, right, is uh, Reptile Boy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just listened to your coverage of that. And in that one, she has like a moment where she's yelling at the men. And she's like, you've got to ask Buffy out. And you've got to be less hard on her. And we've got to go over there. 
And then she's like, oh, okay, I don't feel better after that. And But she has like her moment of being in charge and then she's like, whew. And it feels like this is sort of a natural progression where she's like, okay, I have to be in charge. Nobody else knows what's going on. I know what's going on and also nothing can hurt me and I can walk through walls. And yeah. so it's a, it's a cool sort of progression of that that moment. You know, it doesn't come out of nowhere. Agreed. I don't think I would have clocked these kinds of things if we weren't talking about them for an hour after every single episode. But it does feel like they're doing a lot of like intricate or at least like regular character development or check-ins or whatever like it even like there's not always some like huge moment but it feels like we get it like at least a beat of every episode we'll have a conversation i mean every, a beat of a conversation in every episode will like hit on an issue a character is having and like how they're dealing with their like thing yes absolutely um and yeah it's it's such a fun season for willow um it's also fun like uh, you guys mentioned like she is she is the one pushing like the Buffy and Angel dynamic so much. <laughs> like she brings up the Watcher Diaries and it's like, how long, how much time have you spent thinking like, what are ways we could learn more about Angel for my friend Buffy? Um, which is wild. Uh, but also Buffy is very into the concept of Willow, like putting herself out there in a way that it's just such an, it's such a sapphic episode for her. Because Principal Snyder tells them, like, you're going to be escorting children on Halloween. And for this reason and this reason alone, you must wear costumes. And Buffy immediately is like, Willow, you have to be a slut. You have to be the <laughs> sluttiest slut, slut, slut ever in the world. You have to show so much skin. Please, you have to look hot. Like, <laughs> and then, like, later when Willow is putting on the outfit, she's like, oh, I can't wait for everyone to see how hot you look in this outfit. Everybody look at Willow. Like, she's so amped about willow being sexy and slutty and hot and i love that a very sapphic episode for a girl she's an amazing hype woman um she wants her good friend willow to feel good about herself um and i love that yeah i mean all they do is hype each other up like we were talking last episode like willow was really only there for buffy to for them to talk about angel and then i feel like it was that in this episode as well but now buffy's like go out and get your man and now they're just mm -hmm. like real i feel like they actually are friends <laughs> Yeah, and their little like um, lotsy, like farcical moment of like sneaking the diary away from Giles is so fun. It's so fun to watch good actors play characters who are bad actors. Mm -hmm. um, and Sarah does that so well here. All of the different tactics, like, no, look at me when I'm talking to you. And um, Miss Calendar uh, said you're a babe. <laughs> I love that when she says that, Giles takes off his glasses. Like, hold on, let me be sexy for a second. A burning hunk of what? <laughs> like, <laughs> what a drama queen. But yeah, I uh, I love that whole scene. I am also curious as to what compliment Buffy was going for. A burning, was it a burning hunk of something? Of she didn't remember of what it was, but of uh, of man, computer. of of book, of what is of what tweed. is what is Jenny into? She loves computers. Yeah, he's a burning hunk of computer. Burning Plastic. man. 
She went to Burning Man. She did go to Burning Man. Yeah, he's a Burning Man. One he thing is... Buffy knows about her. <laughs> she was like, Burning is in there. I don't know. I feel like this would have been the perfect episode to have Jenny in there for one scene or so. Like, she's a computer Wiccan. She must be doing something on Halloween. Yeah, I feel like she, it would make so much sense for her to be dressed up in a costume, like, also. And, like, doing something weird. Or, like, dressed up as some kind of... I mean... I, I just think that it's so strange to me that she wasn't in, she hasn't been in an episode in so long, it feels like. Yeah, maybe, I hope we see her again. I, maybe she's gone, maybe she's gone the way of Ethan Rain. Damn, that would be tough. Yeah, Giles looked away from her for one second and she just like left the country. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. I Jenny's hot. I would believe she has got a bunch of different people in the rotation. Um, and <laughs> like she, Cordelia. Yeah, and she she's not waiting on Giles to to ask her out on a second date. She's she's dating. She's like, when Giles wants to talk to me, he will, and I'm not going to be uh, chased at home. I'm getting on the computer. I'm going to find someone to go on a date with. And I'm sure, yeah, maybe she had a Halloween date, and that's why she was not in the episode. Invented e-dating. Yeah. Why? Um, well, no, that was Moloch. Moloch and Willow. True, true. <laughs> that was her first it's episode, like... too. That she probably took notes and developed it for human consumption. She made Tinder. <laughs> she did. She did. Oh, uh, my God. This episode had a little bit of spike, not a lot of spike, but he had his things. Like we we saw his cronies in the beginning of the episode recording Buffy fighting vampires, and then he was watching the tapes back later in the episode, and he almost killed Buffy at the end. Yeah, he Spike is is doing it for me. I'm I'm liking Spike still. Uh, he seems he's much more charismatic than the Master, and he also seems much smarter than the Master. He's like. He really wants to learn about his enemy and find her the attacks. Um, and he doesn't care if he loses some cronies in the in the process of his research. You know, he'll kill him himself. I mean, so will the master. The ma both of them will kill their cronies whenever they feel like it. Yeah, but Spike does it in a fun way. True. <laughs> There's a couple things I love about Spike in this episode. One is like, like you had mentioned, like they're getting better at like even if this isn't an episode about Spike, like they're gonna touch on like, and remember this guy's here and how is this episode's monster of the week? Uh, you know, how does that affect him? How does he tie into it? Um, you know, so, so they're really doing that well. I also love, I love the concept of a vampire with a camcorder. Um, I love that he didn't charge it. I've felt like, you know, I've sent so many screenshots and have people respond, just charge your phone. I really felt for that vampire in that moment. Um, and I also love that Spike, like, on the one hand, it makes so much sense. And it's so smart. It's like, oh, like a football coach reviewing the tapes. I've heard that they do that. Um, but it's also like, what he's watching is Buffy killing another vampire. So he's just like, all right, rewind that snuff film. I got to see it again. <laughs> like, <Wow. laughs> it's like, okay, buddy. But, you know, they're vampires. They're evil. Get into it. And Mike, also you are a bunch of children. Sorry. I know. Like, I love that too. Where, like, he, I mean, they, they were not related. Spike did not cast the spell to turn these children into demons, but he it was able to form an army of like eight year olds who had recently turned into demons. Uh, and they were doing his bidding. I, and I, I was, I was, I was believing it. I was caught up. He is also an opportunist. He, he saw there was an opportunity to pick up some new bad guys and he said, 
I'm going to use this. I'm not going to just leave these demons wandering around. I'm going to unionize them to work for me. Also, Xander and Buffy remember what happened to them. So probably all the children also remember. <laughs> like, hey, remember that adult British vampire who came and hung out with <laughs> us and tried to get us to kill a girl? Yeah, that was a crazy Halloween. But we've seen, like, the the Sunnydale townspeople, they, they like to forget what they can't explain. Like, you got Cordelia in season one, like, explaining everything away of, like, she had too much to drink or whatever. Whatever the excuse was. Like, crazy, crazy night. Yeah, she, how could she not think the angels? It, oh, well. But yeah, because she even thought that she was like, I never see him around. He must go to a different school or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's she's so that... being young. Looks like a high schooler. Or like Cordelia, at least, <laughs> thinks that he could be their age. I don't know. No. But we did learn some like age canon. We know that he was at least 18 when he was turned. We don't know if he was older or not, but we know he was human and we know he reached at least the age of 18. Did he turn at 18? We don't know. Did it's he live so until wild. however old? Yeah, it's, it's so wild that they're looking at these Watcher Diaries and they're like, oh, this is the time that Angel was this age and look at this woman. And I'm like, Stop. Pause. Back it up. Why are the Watchers writing diaries about a man who is currently a normal human teenager? <laughs> like, <laughs> the Watcher, like, I bet this guy's gonna be a vampire. <laughs> just, just wait. <laughs> like, Hopefully they reverse engineered the notes. <laughs> <laughs> One can only hope. One can only hope. But I, I but, just don't know. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunate. The unfortunate thing with Buffy and Angel is that Sarah and David are incredible actors and like they have they have such incredible charisma to me like they are so the the final scene between them was like making me laugh like they, I'm just like so I believe in their love so much even though like recognizing all the bad things about the relationship but like they are they just do such incredible work with the work they are given um just like very amazing banter very, i they, i love them both and i feel like we and you, you guys can correct me if i'm wrong i don't think we've gotten a scene between buffy and angel like that before where they are just sort of like light-hearted joking around i feel like everything we've seen is like very melodramatic lots of stakes lots of why won't you take me out to coffee yeah. in a graveyard? Mm -hmm. Why are we always hanging out when there's blood? No, yeah, I agree. I feel like this is the first time we saw them in like a casual setting where neither of them feels like slighted in any way, where they're just like owning up to their um, like shortcomings. Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, it's like the first conversation they have that's not like, man, sucks how forbidden our love is um like yeah talk about something else talk about how much you hated women when you were a child <laughs> talk about that <laughs> he says all of, he hated noble women especially they were all dull simpering morons who weren't exciting it's like okay, okay so he is one with the people he does not enjoy royalty he's, but what he said he's before gonna that take was, down the bourgeoisie what he said before that was i hated the girls back then Right. Like, like, what were you gonna do if you didn't end up being immortal? All girls. <laughs> well, I have an idea. Um, 
anyway, yeah. Um, so much happening. So much happening in this episode. Oh, also to take it back to Spike a little bit. We did get one Drusilla scene. I was, uh, was going to bring her up. Um, I, but, but my, she, just her walking on screen will make Mike laugh. <laughs> she's so funny. I love. I need to Drusilla know more watched about 2023. her. Um, did we know that she has these sort of prophetic dreams in the last time? Sort of. Like I feel like we had gotten like a little bit, or like she could see things, but it wasn't as clear as this. Before. Yeah. So that seems like it's going to be very useful for Spike. Um, to go after Buffy. It seems like she can see when Buffy is going to be weak. Um, that's not good for our girl, but if that brings us more Drusilla, I'm into it. I'm always down for more Drusilla. Juliet Landauer, Landau, I think. Uh, she's she's hilarious. Um, yeah, yeah, she's incredible. Her, all of her physical work is so great. Her dynamic with Spike is amazing. Even if Spike calls himself daddy for a moment in this episode, and I mm. had to, my soul briefly left my body. Um, that can be okay. That can be okay. Yeah. <laughs> they, I'm not kink shaming. I'm not kink shaming. I'm, am I? I'm not. Vampires have tried it all. I'm They've done on. everything. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, no, love her. Um. But yeah. Uh, there's, uh, a lot, okay, also, there's a lot of unattended children in Sunnydale, huh? Yeah. It seems like almost every high schooler had, like, six kids they were marching around. That's a lot of unattended children. Well, they're, they're going trick-or-treating from four to six. Like, that, that's a... That is true. Um... But yeah, and that does seem weirdly early for trick-or-treating to me as a former trick-or-treater. I know they're always trying to make it happen early because they don't want the kids walking around in the dark. But it's like, this is literally a, ho a holiday for kids to walk around in the dark. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I watched this episode with my partner who is a teacher. And he, and he's seen the whole show before. But on this rewatch, he was so freaked out by the way Snyder just kept grabbing the students. Like, not a thing to be done with teenagers, just like grabbing them and moving them around. And uh, Snyder just keeps doing it. Dang, I don't even, it's blew right past me. The 90s, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, man. Corporal punishment um, allowed. <laughs> um, a lot happening. I love how good Buffy is with the kids. She's like, I, I feel like I, as a teen, would have been so awkward, like, oh my god, children, how do I be cool around them? And she just, like, immediately seems like a big sister, even though she is an only child. It's, like, so natural to her. It's like, oh, the thing with the toothbrushes, like, yeah. she must be stopped. She's so cute. She's very with them. She, you know, they're part of the people she needs to protect, too. Yeah. Yeah. She anytime she needs to protect someone, that's when she really comes alive. And I feel like this is included in that. Buffy well, would be a great politician. <laughs> it would she? Also, well, <laughs> she it seems like she can talk to and relate to all of her constituents, mm -hmm. um, which is very important. Uh you want the people you are hoping to get votes from to 
relate to you and, and see see themselves in you, see you as a big sister who will take them trick-or-treating, someone you can get a beer with. Uh, She's always got witty repartee going on, so she'd be great in debates, too. I feel like she would be memed a lot. The, Twitty, the Twitter girlies would eat her up. She makes funny faces. She says funny things. She, it's true. Mm-hmm. It, it, that would, I feel like they would clip her for like doing something weird great reaction memes um but i you know you say it's important to relate clickbait makes the argument that it's a lot more important for two of your staffers to fake date uh even though one of them isn't even gay in order to win the presidential election Hmm. that's sort of the conceit of the book my (laughs) former boss who ran for president never asked me to fake date one of my coworkers. but Um, you are gay so Are these things you're gonna want me to cut out of the episode, or <laughs> every time Mike's job comes up, I'm, I just gotta check and say, "Hey, Mike's old job." <laughs> sure, whatever. <Make> Either <laughs> way, edit that. Uh, oh my gosh. Okay, just wanted to talk Cordelia and Angel at the bronze at the very beginning. It seemed like they were both having a great time. Yes. <laughs> Cordelia and Angel together was really just really made me laugh. When Angel showed up at the house later, <laughs> Cordelia was so. Funny. She's literally like, "Oh my god, everyone! 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 No one can remember anything. Uh, there's chaos everywhere. Hi, how are you doing? Like, like, (laughs) oh my god, it's just like, I can't believe it. It was so cute. Like, like so many of like the things that they give her to say are like her being like the fake laughing at the guys. You know, it's like okay, she's putting on a thing, but that seems so genuine. She's like, oh, this is so frustrating, but like. There's this guy I like. Hi. Yeah. Like, so cute. Um, I can't deal with David Borean is wearing just like a blue shirt in that first scene. For some reason, <laughs> that really upset me. I was like, where did you get this weird blue button-down shirt? She, he, was he like, I, I'm going to go on a human date and drink coffee at night. I can't believe <laughs> how much coffee they all drink at night. I know he doesn't have to sleep, but I'm like, the rest of y'all are in school. Like, don't be drinking a cappuccino at fucking 10.30 p.m. It's insane. I know. Me. I use and I, you know, up until a year ago, I pretty much did the exact same thing. But I, they were, you know, I was younger back then. Uh, but yeah, if I have a coffee after like one p.m. today, <laughs> it's like not happening. Uh, mm-hmm. But they're so cute together, and the, the David's David's a very handsome man. Yeah, I mean, he he filled out much quicker than the rest of the cast. Oh yeah, remember when he, he was, was so like, skinny in that first episode? I, and then like he like there was a point where like he wasn't in a couple episodes that he came back and he looked like decrepit. Like he was so <laughs> tiny in his like outfit for whatever reason. It's yeah. Um wait, okay, but Cordelia in this episode even says when it comes to dating, I'm the slayer paralleling herself with Buffy, you know, sort of the human version of Buffy herself. Uh, They're too close for comfort. They're in love with one another. You know what I mean? I see it. They can teach each other a little thing or two about slaying in their own realms. I would, yeah. Yeah, we've seen seen Cordelia, you know, sharpen the stakes. We've seen her get ready to to kill some vampires. I got to see Cordelia take Buffy on a real date. Not just to a frat house to be date raped and sped to a giant pita snake yeah just to like maybe she should get cappuccinos at the browns with buffy that's an idea would love decaf like hot chocolate like i'm begging like i'm getting the jitters thinking about how much coffee they're drinking at night um anyway hi it's me a 29 year old on this podcast um but yeah uh 
Oh, I also love, like, at one point, Buffy says she was late to her date with Angel because of unexpected slayage, which is the excuse I want to use every time I am late for something now. <laughs> I just, Sorry, I never would have like, predicted I was slaying. Yeah. I didn't even expect it to happen. And then, oops, big play. Yeah, she showed up with a twig in her hair. Feel bad for the girl. She made it work, though. Like, she was still very cute. Oh, yeah, I, I would not have thought anything of it unless she had, you know, talked about it herself. Yeah. But when you're, like, comparing yourself to the dating slayer in Cordelia, yeah. it, it's hard to it's hard to compare those two. You know, she's she always going to... She's going to feel like she comes up short there. But she's she not... We love Buffy. She, she just thought, wow, Cordelia looks so beautiful, and that's all she could think about. And hmm. I get it, you know? She was right. Oh, yeah, there's a point where, oh, yeah, she was, like, and Cordelia's there. She looks stunning, of course, or something like that later, recognizing that Cordelia did look amazing. There's an attraction there. That's all I can say. I'm I'm into Period. it. Um, this is, I think this is my final thought on the episode, but we can keep talking as long as we want. But there's a part where Buffy of regular Buffy and it really throws her for a loop. Um, and I was doing a little thinking about that. I, like, just trying to think about what that could be, like, saying or what that could be a message about. Like, I was kind of thinking about... Because obviously we think of... The first thought for Buffy as this lady persona character is, like, the hyper-human version of Buffy. Where she becomes this, like, woman who, like, has no supernatural uh responsibilities at all but i felt like when she was looking at the photo of herself that's like her seeing the high school just very normal version of buffy and so then i started thinking about the supernatural version like the supernatural effect that caused buffy to become the lady version of buffy and it's sort of like removed from the responsibilities she's looking at her human self from a supernatural perspective and it feels like Buffy, like, the Slayer herself is, like, freaked out because she just seems so normal and, like, of the times, but shouldn't be. I don't know. It was it, it was a very interesting moment that they didn't spend very long on, but it made me think a lot. Yeah, like, there's that picture of, like, her and Xander and Willow together, and it's like, oh, they look like just such, like, a normal group of high schoolers. Um, and it, like, definitely feels very contrasting in that moment to, like, oh, but here we've got a soldier and an 18th century lady and a slutty ghost. Um, but it is like, they are not normal high schoolers. Like, even though Xander and Willow like are normal high schoolers, like they are doing weird stuff all the time. So yeah, there's layers of like who they wish they were, how they're perceived. And it's interesting because like, I think they like, um, I feel like that's a moment, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I feel like, it's a moment where they, uh, it, it, I think that they are perceived as less social outcasts than they think they are perceived, you know? Like whenever they talk to someone that's not like Cordelia or Larry, they're they're like, hey Xander, what do you think about this guitar? Or like, hey, can we you help me with, like they're just like normal kids and they are each other's best friends, but they're not like social outcasts. Like they would be normal high schoolers if it weren't for, the slayerosity of it all. Um, yeah, much to think about. 
yeah it's like uh, to me it's themselves looking at themselves from a removed perspective uh and just like reckoning with the fact that they have to handle all of these like terrible situations even though from an outsider perspective they appear to be very normal and innocent people I think there's something too about appreciating the life that they have because I feel like um, so much of what's happening with Buffy's storyline in this episode is, I feel like this is a like a common thing you sometimes hear people say of like, oh, I wish I lived in whatever olden times where things were simpler and I could just, you know, be pretty and whatever. And it's like, well, no, if you actually played that out, it wouldn't be good and it's better to, I like Willow's immediate response, like, mm, no, I like being able to vote. Um, uh, but you know, like actually playing out, like, yeah, like their lives are stressful. Spike is still here. Prince Will Snyder is still here. Nobody's dating life is going well, but like they dress as these sort of like idealized, you know, oh, what if I was a soldier? What if I was a, a noble woman? And they realize like, oh, I, I like, I like the real version of myself better, you know? Yeah, and I think that it helps because Willow's forced to become her normal self, whereas she was trying so desperately to be anyone else. Uh, but she obviously is the one who needs most of all to just see that it's okay to be her. And even when she can't physically interact with anything, she's still able to like save the world just by being herself. And Cordelia doesn't need to work on herself at all. She is fully realized she's perfect, no notes. <laughs> I love the episode that that's about like reckoning with your inner self is like there are zero character developments for Cordelia. <laughs> she doesn't need them. She's perfect. She's fully I love there's a moment where she's like, what's your problem? Take a pill. It's like she's like, <laughs> you just deal with your mental health. Like see a therapist, see a psychologist, get whatever medication you need. There's no shame. But like, don't make it my problem. Like she's already been through a self-realization journey. She's done. <laughs> She already has a lot of character, as she once he, said. He just, is it possible to have too much character? God. Um, uh, Any okay. other final thoughts? Or we, or it would seem like you're about to say something. Sorry uh, to cut you off. I had two to three final thoughts. Sure. I love um, th th throughout the whole like thing where Xander and Buffy don't realize they're Xander and Buffy. Willow, like immediately just starts giving xander orders she's like that's an order and he's like oh okay it's like ah yes famously how soldiers work if you tell them something is an order no matter who it's from they have to do it um well i mean to be fair he is being a gun not a soldier <laughs> so that is true. how guns <laughs> work god uh yeah that is basically right um i also love that every single person went to the same costume shop except cordelia apparently she knew um, she had her outfit picked out yeah. months in advance she had it on back order she knew she was going to return it the very next day she had a plan ethan opened his halloween store like two days before <laughs> halloween oh yeah oh yeah no she was already she also knew she was going to return it the day after halloween but yeah she was she was 100 percent ready um Okay, the other thing is, looking at Giles in this scene with Ethan, there's this whole implication that Giles has been, like, I guess, torturing him or, like, beating him up 
because Ethan's like, oh, I thought the Ripper was gone. And he's on the floor. And Giles is like wiping something off of his hand. <laughs> but we don't see what's on his hand. We don't see what's on the rag. Ethan looks fine. <laughs> like, he's not bruised anywhere. There's no blood. Like, he's he's fine. He's on the ground. He can speak normally. Um, we just see Giles kick him a couple of times. And he very immediately is like, okay, fine, break the statue. What is he cleaning off of his hands? What's happening here? I don't know. It was very interesting because I feel like for the first <laughs> 17 episodes of the show, we were instructed that Giles is really bad at fighting and basically can't do anything. And then his friend comes from his past and he like drops him in a second <laughs> and like will not stop pounding him into the floor. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. the Ripper. So is Giles supposed to be the Ripper? Yeah, like J okay. Ethan called Giles Ripper. Yeah. So what? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm gonna amend what I was saying earlier in the episode about what we learned about Giles. He's got some sort of complicated physical past of some sort. He's got some sort of fighting skills. He's known as Ripper in some lands. That's not a good name to be known as. That that's got some negative connotations. There's a darkness there. Yeah. Can Jenny there pull is. it out of him? If anyone could. Does she want to? Does he want her to? So many questions. Why wasn't she in this episode when we were learning so much about Giles? Yeah, it's like he could only have one adult friend at a time. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunately, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, those were my main thoughts on the episode. Uh, I have a couple of thoughts that I've saved for fashion moments and Xander Slander. Whoa. Right. Well, then, shall we move into end of episode segments? I do not have a finalysis for this week. Work was awful and I forgot. So <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry to everyone. Um, but we can move right into Biggest Slay. This is obviously the moment of the episode that made us say Slay. Mike, what was your biggest slay? Ooh, my biggest slay. Um, I gotta think about that one. Can someone else go first? I can. I I loved when we got the reverse shot of the Janice statue. The face was really making me laugh. And I was like, okay, Slay. <laughs> yeah, they, they show the statue having like a crazy face. Yeah. And then they pan out to show Ethan. And it's, I guess, supposed to be like a mirror. But he has the most stoic, normal face in the world. It's so funny. The statue had like a huge mouth. I It, mm -hmm. it was very, very funny. Yeah, yeah. Ray, what was the biggest slay? The biggest slay, this is like a moment that is the big slay. Yeah, or I mean, really anything. It's, <laughs> it's you know what? broad topic. I'm going to say Buffy's uh, Honey, I'm Home moment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like, it happens in the nick of time. Spike is like about to kill her after having delivered the weakest slap I've ever seen on a screen. Um, and uh, Giles breaks the statue, she's back to herself, the terrible ugly wig comes off, so that's first of all the one big part of the big slay, ugly wig is off. Um, and she immediately, she doesn't even need to take a second to breathe to be like, okay, it's me again. Just immediately, hi honey, I'm home, she's back with the wig repartee, she doesn't need a steak, she just punches Spike a couple times and he's like, I give up, I'm leaving, that's too much. 
and if I may, it's giving trans narrative. Uh, she, you know, she was the peak of femininity and uh, Regency womanhood for the whole episode, and delivers an iconic uh, husband line. I love Lucy vibes as she like shifts back into her persona that allows her to like beat the shit out of vampires. There's a lot of yeah. I mean, obviously, like with any like transformation storyline like there is a very trans reading of it i mean even this whole thing of like giles used to go by a different name and has another side that we don't know about and like um you know yeah so so much to be said about transformation and trans readings of this episode that you know we don't have to do because it's almost shocking we didn't get here until over an hour into the episode (laughs) Seriously. Um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, basically Buffy and Xander are both like looking at these very extreme versions of like masculinity and femininity. And Willow is doing this whole thing of like trying to hide her body and like hide herself, hide her face. Um, so that like she can see others, but they can't perceive her. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on. This whole thing smacks of gender. Gender, gender, gender. Ethan even has like a, he, he's like talking about the two sides and he's like, crunchy or creamy, man or woman. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so gender has been referred to in, within the confines of the episode. Gender, gender watch 2023. Gender Carl Ellsworth knew what he was doing. <laughs> wow, wow. Mike, um, have you landed on a biggest slide? Yeah, and you know, I referenced it earlier in the episode. I referenced it many times last night while we were watching it. It's Willow's abs. Willow looks amazing in this episode. She was like, I, you know, I know they're all actors. They're all beautiful. They're all gonna look hot, but they have created this uh, persona of Willow in the show where she is sort of like this frumpy girl who wears overalls and like does not wear clothes that necessarily like flatter her it's what she feels comfortable in and she looks amazing when she puts on that slutty rocker chick outfit like she should be bearing abs in every episode going forward You knew you yeah. even referenced when she walked through the wall into the library where Giles. She walked abs forward into that wall. <laughs> she's like leading with her abs. Like she's not leading with her chest. She's not leading with her head. She's leading with her abs. Like it's incredible. It's incredible. She's a human parenthesis, and I love that for her. I don't love that for her back. Like she's gonna have issues with her spine in a few years, but she's gonna look good for those years. True. Period. Uh, Ray, moving on. Fashion moment. What 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 look are you spotlighting this episode? I will say this is sort of like an understated fashion moment, but um, the outfit that Willow is wearing when she is picking out the Halloween costume, um, she's got like this backpack with rainbow straps, so it almost looks like she's got like a little rainbow suspenders on. She's got like this floral choker. It's like a very like hippie vibe sort of. It's it's very cute, lots of colors, but then like a very understated top. I also have a note. Oh, um, this is an anti-fashion moment, which is the like light plaid shirt that Xander was wearing. It, it wasn't working for me. Something about the way it was layered or what it was paired with. I wrote down on my notes, Xander ugly shirt moments. 
So take that one. The Xander slander starts a little <laughs> early this year. Um, Mike, did you have a fashion moment? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I've highlighted Willow's costume enough. Um, <laughs> so for the, the other fashion moments of the episode, I want to highlight in Ethan's costume shop, it's a very, it's a blink and you miss it. There is like a purple elephant statue in that costume shop. And I loved it. And I was like, we got to go. They got to show it again in some other angle in the scene. And we never saw it again. Sam, I don't think you even saw I've it. I still haven't seen it, but I'll be looking for <laughs> it. When I... So many times. I have no idea what you're talking about. That's crazy. <laughs> this is our like... Um library cage gate like there there was never a purple elephant <laughs> oh there was a purple elephant and i hope he left it behind <laughs> i don't know he ransacked the store on his way out he really needed to collect all those leftover costumes <laughs> um, we think I, the purple elephant will be back <laughs> i bet we'll see the purple elephant again before we see ethan <laughs> anything's possible um i also had an anti-fashion moment i just needed to throw out in the first scene, Buffy is wearing a Dolce & Gabbana top, and we hate Dolce & Gabbana because they're very homophobic. Um, so Buffy, you clearly have money to get a new wardrobe if you're wearing, rocking D&G tops to high school. <laughs> get something new. <laughs> There's, no, I mean, this was the first misstep for Buffy since she, I think she said something about something an uncouth about mental illness in the past episode uh but yeah. the rare the rare questionable act from miss <laughs> summers wow Sam, did canceled. you have a fashion moment i did i mean shocking nobody cordelia looked so good in every scene um her halloween costume looked great but she also just like even in just in that scene where she was talking to buffy and willow in the bathroom she looked really good uh and I didn't take a picture of it, so I can't remember what she exactly was wearing, but I will be putting it up on the Twitter. So it's She fine. was wearing like a sweater vest and uh, like a collared shirt under it, but then like a pleated skirt. Mm -hmm. I do remember. It was, <laughs> it was yes, very, it was very, good. <laughs> it was very like um, the Hit Me Baby One More Time music video. Mm -hmm. It was like sort of giving that. In high school. And when she, when she puts the jacket on over her Halloween costume, that also looks very good. No surprise there. Uh, oh, and I referenced the Twitter account. This week, I did bite the bullet and sit on the at Buffy Boyfriend's Instagram handle account. So I'll probably start putting all of the fashion moments up on our Instagram. Should have just been doing it from the beginning. But, uh, you know, I was in a weird place with social media. And I still am, aren't we all? Um, moving on to Xander Slander. Ray, what was the worst Xander moment of the episode? <sighs> There's so many to pick from <laughs> because the only way to make Xander worse is to give him a gun and that they did that. So it sucks. And there's so many to pick from. Um, I have to say for me, the one that stood out the most, this watch as opposed to other watches was Larry says like one mean thing to him. It's like, oh, where's your bodyguard? And as Larry's walking away, Xander like points the gun at him. Like, I wish I could shoot that guy. Like, it's so, <laughs> like, there's just so much like pent up, like violent rage in this little man for like, it's it's very uh, upsetting to me. He's a bad dude, no matter whether he's possessed or not. We've seen that so far. Period. 
Uh, Mike, what was your least favorite Xander moment of the episode? Uh, it was also a Larry interaction. Um, he, you know, really laid into Buffy for saving his ass from getting beat up um, because of his hurt manhood or or whatever he was dealing with that day. Um, you know, he's been hanging out with Buffy long enough now that he knows Buffy can step in and fight his battles for him. Um, and he should just accept that. He should actually be a lot nicer to his guardian angel. Um, you know, continuously proving that Buffy and Willow are too good for him to be his friends. I agree. I mean, that, that, that's my same Xander Slander moment. Worst moment of the episode, for sure. It's like, dude, you were about to get punched in the face, and she made you not get punched in the face. You can't be mad at her. And, it like, they didn't resolve their tension, their quote-unquote tension, until they were at the costume shop after school, presumably. So he has been holding on to this grudge all day. So I'm sure he's been, like, shooting Buffy nasty looks all day, like, making little pointed comments and barbs, and she's just had to sit there and sort of like take it from him and that sucks also in the lead up to that conversation um like larry comes up to him and is like what's the deal with buffy are you guys dating is she single and he's like oh well um i like are you just friends and he's like i don't see it so much as a friendship as a solid foundation for future bliss and it's like, haven't we been over this, dude? Like, <laughs> she rejected you. Get over her. But he's still thinking of their friendship and this, like, like putting coins in the girlfriend machine. Like, if I put in enough friendship coins, girlfriend will pop out. Like, it's so gross. I do, though, love when Larry was like, I heard she was fast. He goes, I hope you mean like the wind, which is an absurd thing to say. <laughs> um yeah it's it's rough there's the friend zoning there's the fragile masculinity i will say i'm glad willow calls it out she's like boys are so fragile my dog agrees xander is very fragile i'm gonna mute for a second this bad no doubt about it um yeah you can move on to she slayed mike who's your favorite character of the episode it was willow willow slayed this entire episode um i just loved her entire arc um, I'm really looking forward to uh, a more confident Willow moving forward. You know, it seems like they are setting up this guy Oz to be her love interest of some sort of like farcical sort where they're like, so it's sort of like this, the, they keep missing each other. They haven't quite connected yet. I wonder how many more times they're going to have that like same interaction. Like, who is that girl um, before they finally meet? But I, I see them dating and I, you know, I'm happy for Willow. She needs more friends than just Xander. Yeah, she needs to branch out. And I mean, she called Cordelia a friend in this episode as well. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Willow was my favorite character of the episode. She was kind of the protagonist. She was the one who had her wits about her. Uh, and she was going all over the town, figuring out what was going on. She saved the day. So go Willow. Love Willow. Go Willow. Yeah, such a good episode for Willow. Also, did you guys clog that? Oz's steering wheel is on the wrong side of his car. Yeah. Very he has weird. like a British car somehow. Okay, that's cool yeah. though. Yeah, that maybe unique. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she slayed favorite character of the episode. I mean, yeah, it really just sort of has to be Willow. She has such a perfect arc. She looks so good. She's been doing the crunches. Uh she like, yeah, it's it's 
it's all great. She has a lot of great little one-liners and responses to all the bullshit. She also like finds a way to describe what's happening to Xander and Buffy in a way that both of them from very different time periods understand like immediately. She's like, oh, it's like amnesia. And they're like, oh, okay. Uh, like they, they hear that, they see the picture and they like understand what she is saying. Um, yeah, she's really summing it up. She got from Buffy's house to the library really fast um, and she looks good and she died. And she didn't care about her having experienced death. That was a blip, baby. <laughs> she moved on and she said, how can I save the earth? Period. Stan, um, cool. The next episode we will be covering is called Lie to Me. Mike, do you have any predictions about what the episode will be about? Lie to me. Um, I bet Xander's gonna do something bad and he might <laughs> lie to somebody. That's my prediction. Xander's Sounds a liar like and a tweet. Yeah, so I, it's a pretty good bet. Yeah. Good guess. That's my pick. That's my guess. Slay. Um, well, we, I would love to read a five-star review right now, but tragically, we don't have one. So we'll move on to plugs. Ray, what are you plugging this week? Wow. This week, um, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Ray, R-A-E underscore H-V. Uh, my Twitter is currently private while I look for a job. But if you are not obviously like a consulting firm or an office, I'll let you follow me. It's fine. Um, you can read my Our Flag Means Death fan fiction at Fantasy Queer Icon on AO3. Because why not? Carpe diem. Tomorrow you might not be able to read fan fiction. Um, and what else is happening? Um, Not much else. Ray, if we did dog. if we did a fan fiction episode of Buffy Buffy Boyfriends where we wrote our own fanfic, would you be a guest on that episode? Of course I would. Absolutely. Wow. Um, I'm to start thinking of fanfic ideas. Yeah. Sowing the seeds oh for our eventual fan fiction read-off. <laughs> uh, Mike, do you have any plugs? Yeah, we are at Buffy Boyfriends on Twitter. Um, and now we are also at Buffy Boyfriends on Instagram. Um, and you know what? Those are the only two things I need to plug this week. Whoa. Moving further and further away from yeah, the they, plugs. They'll people will find me if they find me, and I will not allow you to follow me, most likely, unless I know you. So I didn't mean to steal that. your line of I'm on private, but I'll accept your follow request. I'm I'm so sorry. But I but I won't. Like I, I get lots <laughs> of follow requests and I like from robots and I don't accept them. Um and I don't think any uh listeners have sort of like covertly sent me a follow request. They all look pretty uh body to me. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, can you send like a message with your friend request on Instagram? Like if you say you're a Buffy Boyfriends listener and you give us a five-star review, I will let you follow me. I think that since you're private, they might not be able to. But if you DM the Buffy Boyfriends Instagram or me, I'll let Mike know that to <laughs> let, let you follow him, I guess. Wow. Put it in the mailbag. My <laughs> yeah. Instagram handle right. is. And I left <laughs> this five-star review. And I really want to see Mike's Instagram post. Please, 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 please. They're pretty good. So, I mean, if you can get in there, I'd get in there. Uh, good post. 
for me, at Sam Stanish everywhere, at Buffy Boyfriends everywhere, at Better Drew's Pod everywhere. We've got the Survivor coming at you. Actually, by the time you are listening to this, you will have already seen the premiere episode of Survivor 44. Uh, and I'm not going to jinx myself with announcing widely who the guest is, but we're pretty excited about it. Uh, so follow along for our recaps throughout the season. Come to the Gabe Brigado watch parties at Crystal Lake if you live in Brooklyn. I'm a producer. And I think that's it for now. Slay. Big slay. Big slay. Ray, thanks so much for joining us. Yes, this was a delight. Thank you so You're... much for having me. Um, so happy to be here as always. Only speaking for myself, Mike can confirm for himself, but you really brought us, brought me out of my funk, feel a lot better, like Mike said at the beginning of the episode uh feeling much better than i did an hour and a half ago yeah doing my podcast pages uh <laughs> made me feel good so thank you ray for making us do this you you I always so, you always know what's right for us i'm so glad i could take that bust with a <laughs> funky face and turn it right back around <laughs> to a slightly less funky face i've turned from a demon back into a human and that's I love poetic it. beautiful okay Love it. Bye. Love it. Slay. Slay. Slay.